There's a smart new website that will change the way you invest using social media. Like Folio. Here to explain a team of brothers, Andy and Landon Swan, of Like Folio. And they've always been building out great technology at the intersection of social and trading. Powered by unique social data. Analyzed by legendary traders. The Like Folio broadcast starts right now. Lululemon is the topic, but more exciting, Jeff Mackey is the guest. He is at Jeff Mackey on Twitter. Fantastic Insights has been around uh, finance and uh, financial media and just providing great content on Twitter for a long time. Jeff, it's great to have you on. It's great to be here. It's a shame it's not visual because I'm actually wearing Lulu, which would almost be too excitement to jam through the internet at one time. So you know, it, it's a mixed bag there. Well, one of the great things about Lulu and one of its great contributions to society is that it has made everyone just a little bit more attractive. <laughs> it has. It has. Which really, anytime you can buy a apparel company that makes people more attractive, you're going to be doing okay, at least. Now, the argument is that we're peak athleisure with the idea that everyone's going into denim. I, you know, the, this to me is one of those be careful what you read in the paper type of stories, um, you know, because the, the denim craze near as I can tell after listening to Gap, American Eagle, Abercrombie and Fitch and other people who sell denim. Um, they didn't get the memo on the denim craze. So I'm not sure if people are still buying athleisure, but I don't see a lot of Daisy Dukes roaming around where I live and it's still warm enough for people to wear them. So, uh, I'm long Lulu going into the number and as always entirely nervous, especially retail is just a real hard place to invest. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very, it's very fickle. Uh, it's easy to be wrong on retail. Um, it, well, it's also really easy to be correct, but way too early. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the way they put the numbers out, I think a lot of the times, and I agree with you. I mean, when I look at, um, what my wife and her friends are buying now, this isn't necessarily, um, the trendsetters, you know, we're not 22 anymore, but I don't see anybody. I mean, it's still all yoga pants and workout clothes, no matter where you're going pretty much, unless it's a really nice event. Well, it, and exactly. And I think part of what's being missed here, well, there's a couple different things I like about Lulu. And, I, and I've been in and out of their stock just because, again, it, and when people get excited, it's time to fade it. Right now, they're definitely not excited. We're some 30% off where they were last time they opened their mouth for a quarterly event, which is probably why I have PTSD. But I tell you what, I, it's, I wasn't kidding about wearing Lulu myself. There's a $5 billion men's pants market out there, and I'm not sure if it was King George III or some other bastard that consigned men to wear either wool or denim, no matter how hot it is outside. But there actually are fabrics that you can wear that are comfortable and, and don't look like you're the lead singer of Scorpions anymore. <laughs> I think the men's, the men's business is huge and they're going to see double digit growth there. And then some, you know, I'm a, kind of a gym rat i think you are too you know and i've got just stacks of target shirts and logo garbage that i wear and and so it's hard to wrap your mind around buying a 60 dollar workout shirt until you actually wear it and, it and it doesn't start to stink and get those stains under the armpit lulu makes a better product yep, and they really it's, do. it 
it performs better. It looks better. It it works for men and women. They haven't gotten their arms around how they're gonna gonna take advantage of that. But I think it also works in terms of an e-commerce play. They just have a lot of things going on that I like. But to your point on being early, you know, we're still in this this kind of thought vortex where everyone thinks that brick and mortar retail is dead. I disagree with that and have been labeled crazy, not for the first time in my life, but I disagree with it strongly. And I'm going to be looking for digital commerce out of Lulu as well. Could be over 20% this quarter. It, it's, to my way of thinking, not a bad thing that every single smartphone on earth is now a store. But maybe people disagree with me. No, I agree. I think um, I, I think that's a lot along the trend lines that we're seeing in uh, the social data that we look at at like folio, um, you know, over the course of, uh, the holiday weekend, we saw some of those, uh, you know, what you're saying kind of amplified. I think, uh, Landon, you've got some data for us from, uh, you know, we've, we've all kind of put out our anecdotes here in terms of what we're seeing, uh, in real life. But, uh, you know, what's the social data showing us, uh, for Lululemon? What are we seeing, uh, consumers on main street talking about with respect to the company? Sure. So, you know, since we've been tracking Lulu, uh, back to 2012, um, it has had a nice uptrend in, uh, purchase intent and mentions, uh, not real super strong, but a decent uptrend as of late. It's sort of, in a bit of a consolidation uh, movement, just sort of sideways. So um, I wouldn't be super bullish or bearish just based on the data. Um, I can say that, you know, Q3 of this year is slightly higher than Q2 um, when we um, segregate by fiscal quarter. And so I don't know if our data can be that precise, but it is slightly higher. And I know estimates are calling for uh, this quarter to be higher than last my only concern is that sentiment is down a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Now, obviously, that's not going to impact earnings for the last quarter, but moving forward, I'd keep an eye on sentiment. Gotcha. But that, yep. that um, so Jeff, that kind of goes along with what you're saying in terms of, you know, the Lulu story just may not be, it, it may, they may not be exploding to the upside, but it certainly looks like to us looking at this social data that it's definitely not as bad as advertised on wall street in terms of the stock price and the way, you know, that it seems like uh, management kind of getting it in its own way when it gets on these conference calls. What do you think? A little bit of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, they've done a lot of things right. And there's always a temptation, particularly on, on specialty to want to call the top. What I'm worried about in terms of sentiment going into the call tonight is, that you've got a lot of people on Wall Street, a lot of the analysts who have have just now flipped to bearish on it. Most of them way too late or way too early. And those folks tend to just pick through these reports and look for reasons to hate the stock. The best trade I've had on consumer names going you know, so far this quarter has been buying some of the some of the bigger pullbacks, big sporting goods and Walmart of all two positions to have be my biggest are the biggest ads that I've had so far in this earnings season just because I think the predisposition to to want to fade these names after the reports 
it it's wrong. I from everything I see, and I I grew up in retail. I literally grew up in Target stores. My dad and I would shop Target the way most little kids play catch with their old man. That's just what we did. He was he worked there. It, this is going to be a good Christmas when I go to Lulu. I, mm-hmm. It's the stores are packed. I'm a Black Friday shopping guy, not because I want the bargains or to get in fist fights on YouTube and some Walmart doorbuster, but because that's when you can see what a store is going to look like and what the promotional plan is. Yep. When I see specialty retailers that are commanding 50% margins, give or take about 49.4 for Lulu, it it's and I see them not being promotional on Black Friday, that tells me that they have a lot of confidence in the goods they're carrying and that their margins are going to be solid. So yeah, I'm not that worried going into the numbers. That's that's great insight. Um, yeah, Lena. I would add that you know, just looking at the purchase intent data, which is when people are talking about buying the clothes, um, it is at levels where it has pulled back. It is still at levels where if you go back in the history of the purchase intent chart, at these levels, the stock price was closer to 70 uh, than it is to 60, which we're at like 58 or 59 right now. So I, at the discount that we're seeing from that last earnings report, uh, the stock discount, I think that you know, if you take that into account, this could be a good time for value. Cool. Right. And one of the things that I, I think listeners should be considering right now, or at least one of the themes I'm working on, is is this shift into e-commerce. I think we've reached critical mass where where everybody's going to get on board. Again, I, I've been talking about brick and mortar. That was insane. I guess now that Amazon's making stores, everyone's on board with that idea now. But we're finally at the point where where this omni-channel thing can no longer be ignored. It's about 10% of U.S. commerce, eat all you know, X, food and gas and energy and everything else. But just in terms of discretionary commerce, retail online is about 10%, which is the equivalent of somewhere between California and Texas and the market is entirely dominated by Amazon. If you took the next 10 competitors online, there's still only about 75% of Amazon. That is not a sustainable lead for them to keep. And so it's it's a great time from an investing perspective when you have this kind of dour sentiment on the brick and mortars overall. And you've also had such a shakeout. Getting back to Dick's Sporting Goods, they're the last guy standing. It, if you have kids, you realize that it's not so easy to buy sporting goods online. There's a huge advantage to be the one player out there that's that's going to be selling these goods and so what you've seen in e-tail in general is that the weekends the borders of the world are dead you're going to see kind of the macy's and and companies that have bought all their shares back and have levered themselves up in retail they aren't going to have the money get to the next generation but the winners companies again like walmart like target they have a chance to gain market share in the U.S. in a meaningful way for the first time since the 80s or 90s. That is an incredible opportunity for them. When, when you look at Target, which somehow managed to lose $5 billion going to Canada over the last decade, you know the, their chances of competing in the U.S. are just incredible. What folks have to remember is retail is just distribution. And so all those Targets, all those Walmart stores you see, those are all just distribution centers and you can carry five to 10 times as much just pure product in each of those stores. If you get the customers out of there, if you close off the lanes and automate the back end, it's a huge opportunity that no one's paying attention to. It's much harder for Amazon to go out and buy 
five million or 500,000 foot million square foot distribution centers than it is for Target or Walmart to convert their stores later. So there's a huge sweeping opportunity here to take land share in the U.S. And that you get those opportunities once every maybe 20 or 30 years in retail and you can make a lot of money if you get it right. Do you think that that opportunity is limited to uh, the big ones like Walmart and Target, or do you think uh, a smaller player like Lulu, who's very specific uh, in what they offer, can can grab some market share as well? I think a- anyone who has smart management, who is is approaching this in a holistic way, meaning that you know we've had a lot of lip service paid to Omnichannel, Macy's is is just my chief kind of, I love sticking it to them because they make me crazy and they're also going to go bankrupt, which make, you know is unnecessary. But they've just spent all their money on, on buybacks. If you walk into a Macy's, retail is one of those things you can see if they're spending on the stores. If there's not enough staff on the stores, on the floor, if you're looking at kind of rundown fixtures and things, it's obvious at a glance if you've spent as much time in retailers and my first job was at Macy's out of college. So, you know, it, it's not my first rodeo and you can see they're not spending on the stores. And so the opportunity extends to any of these companies that have liquidity that, that are investing wisely and have the money to keep investing wisely. And for a Walmart, which is running 20 billion a year in buybacks and dividends, that's an awful lot of dry powder and they don't have a ton of time so I, I like seeing them spend. I don't mind the jet acquisitions because, you know, again, Walmart overpaid for jet. But then again, if you're turning out 20 billion that you're pretty much just lighting on fire every single year in the form of buybacks and dividends, it's hard to overpay. And I tell you what, everyone that works at Walmart knows that professional advancement lies in figuring out how to do e-commerce on behalf of the company. So that's where the energy is going to go on a Lulu Listen, it's pretty simple. According to the census, they say e-commerce is growing about 14, 15%. Any company growing faster than that is taking share. And so it doesn't matter how big they are. You can figure out how they're doing, but just by what their e-commerce growth rate is. Awesome. Uh, Jeff, we're going to, that's awesome insight. I mean, it's beyond um, what we could provide. I think that's great retail knowledge. For, I speak in paragraphs. I apologize. Yeah, no, 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 it's great. Yeah. It's great. And it was all uh, very informative. I love learning on my own show. It's like one of the, one of the primary reasons that we do this. Um, we're going to come back to you in just a second. First, I want to, and when we come back to you, I want sort of your scenarios for Lulu and how you'll play it from a uh, market perspective. Uh, first, we're going to go to Nick and he's going to tell us, um, maybe some opportunities in the options market going into earnings and then a little bit longer term going into 2017. Sure. So Lulu currently $58.50 as it sits. Earnings report after the bell today. Um, Options premium is extremely high right now. We have an IV percentile of 93, meaning that the current implied volatility is way at the top end of its 52-week range. So there's a great opportunity to sell premium into earnings. Um, I initially looked at selling a strangle in, into earnings on Lulu here, but upon further investigation, I noticed that the short puts, the, you know, the out of the money short puts had twice as much premium as the out of the money equidistant short calls. Wow. So people are really protecting themselves going into this one. Yes. Big time. So, they're scared. Yeah. With that in wow. mind, I decided, Hey, I'm just going to go ahead and sell the puts only They're you know, they're richer in premium. So why put, even put the call side on? 
Um, and I had a little bit of a bias bullish. Jeff just made that bias a little bit stronger, so I feel even more comfortable with this particular trade. I'm um, looking at selling the Lulu 9D16, which means these are these December options that expire on the 9th of December, which is this Friday. So very little duration here. We're not looking for duration. We're just looking for a volatility crush after this earnings this event takes place. This is purely an earnings play then. Purely an earnings play on this particular trade. I want to sell the, uh, the 9D16 51 puts. So selling the Lulu 51 puts, you get about 30 cents in credit for doing that. That I chose the 51s because they have a little more liquidity than some of the half point strikes like the 51 and a halfs and the 50 and a halfs. And they get me just about one and a half times outside of the expected move. So what do I mean by that? The expected move in Lulu, the options market is expecting that Lulu is going to move $4.90. So let's call it five bucks in either direction. They're not, they're not calling the direction that's just going to move. They're just saying, we think Lulu is going to respond five points to the upside or downside. Uh, so that translates to about an 8% expected move. If I can get one and a half times that expected move, it's going to put me down to about 51 break even. And um, selling these 51 puts for 30 cents credit makes a lot of sense to me. You get the ball crush, cover them tomorrow for a nickel, hopefully, and uh, call it a day. Oh, and then worst case scenario, you're, you own Lululemon stock at 51 bucks. Exactly. Not a bad price to be. Not a bad price to be. Jeff, how are you looking at playing this uh, earnings? You you own the stock now, correct? I own the stock now. Yeah, it, it's I was trimming a little bit higher, not as much ever as you'd want to. But I typically playlist through common. You get a lot of in in particularly names like Lulu that that spread. You know, the eight percent move expectation is a bunch of generals fighting the last war, and so last quarter. Uh, Lulu was rather grim for the bulls, and and yet you saw that price sell off, mm-hmm. and so you do get huge volatility on this. Again, it, it I expect the margins to be strong, but I would think that there's going to be kind of flies for these analysts to protect themselves. So how I'm playing it from a long inclined investor, if they beat, that's fantastic. I'm already long, so I'll just you know make it rain and uh, party <laughs> like that. But the uh, the uh, on the downside. You know, it it's it depends qualitatively on what I hear. But if they're going to be saying the right things, which is to say, I'm I would be delighted if, as with any retailer, just as a rule of thumb, I care less about EPS right now, more about if they're expanding where the opportunity is. And so my ideal scenario is a headline number that that gets people grumpy, something with a three handle, but it all went towards towards SGNA, towards investment in in high growth opportunities. If I can see that, then I'll get that sell off the way I did with Dix, where I was able to get long in the fifties and and just buy it because it'll be kind of a, a a chance to respond to other people's emotion. Like you say, they've got it ratcheted up pretty high all wise going into that earnings number. And so I want to take the other side of the herd. If I can get a, a sell-off after hours where I get a chance to add into it, that would be fantastic. And if not, hey, party on. Yeah, and on that note, if there is, in fact, a dip in Lulu in response to earnings, tomorrow morning, the first thing I'm going to be looking at is – did implied volatility get totally crushed? If it did not get totally crushed, then I'm going to be looking at selling some 45 puts out in March and giving this social data some time to mm. come to fruition. We had seen a little bit of bullish social data last time we talked about Lulu. It hasn't really come to fruition in the price of the stock. I still think that there's some opportunity for it to take place. And right now, it's not necessarily bearish. It's pretty neutral. So I would be comfortable at that 45 price point selling some longer-term puts 
and seeing if that social data plays out, seeing if the stock can catch a bottom and, and get a little bit of a lift. All right. Yep. I, I think it's interesting. You know, I mean, look for that Ulta playbook. Look for a really good quarter and not such a great response and see if you can be opportunistic. That's my thought. I agree. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to go fire up my um, Thinkorswim platform right now so I can join you guys. I want to be partying with you tomorrow if it goes well. Make and it I, rain, baby. And I'm going to be uh, doubling down with you tomorrow if it doesn't. Um, at Jeff Mackey on Twitter. Uh, phenomenal account to follow just funny great drawings just a lot of entertainment and as you can tell tons of insight jeff we really appreciate having you on the show uh thanks for coming on uh like folio broadcast yeah it was a lot of fun namaste gentlemen namaste Uh, all right chatting with you jeff have a good one and uh make sure everybody make sure you're uh following at like folio on twitter and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode appreciate y'all good luck with Lulu and all of your investment decisions. 